welcome to the nerd party. It's not working. How long since you've cleaned the heads? The what? The heads. Do you have any alcohol? To drink? What? No, no, to clean it. Check the tracking. The rental place closes in two hours. Shut up, shut up, it's working. Time for a retro perspective. Hello and welcome to Retro Perspective, a show on the Nerd Party Network, which is going to be a little bit different than it was before, I guess. Yeah, a little bit different, a little bit different. We're going to mix it up here. I have something a a little bit different here in the feed for you. Uh, Instead of staying focused on a single franchise, uh, Mike and I are going to be taking a look back uh, at a very special year in film history. Right, Mike? Yes, we're going to be taking a look at 1994. This show, in a lot of ways, is going to be a look at 25 years ago this week. Whatever week it may be. Right. What we're going to do is we're going to go through 52 weeks in a year. We're going to go through each week this, uh, this year and look at the corresponding week from 1994. And we're going to look back at the films that were released then, which are enjoying their 25th anniversary. Yeah. And, and if, it's, if we enjoy ourselves, if it's fun, if it's cool, if it's whatever, then, hey, maybe this will just become a thing even after 1994 is no longer 25 years old. You, you know? know, yeah. And the thing is, what, what's fun about this is everybody in 2019, it seems, is talking about 1999, which, of course, had, uh, you know, had a banner year, had Phantom Menace, had Matrix, had, um, well, gosh, that was when uh, Magnolia. I, Magnolia, but it was also Sixth uh, Sense busted onto the scene uh, in August of that year. So 99, everybody remembers 99, but 94 is sort of a banner year as well. And that's all the more reason to go look through and not just look at the, the marquee names from that year, but each year in film has a lot of content released and it's worth taking a look at because it really gives you a snapshot on where we were culturally, where we were as a film audience, and where the studios were in terms of the content they were producing. And 25 is a pretty substantial you know, anniversary year. If you're married 25 years, they make a pretty big deal about it. So we've been married to this content for 25 years, so let's go back and take a look. Yeah, quarter century, and you're right about us being married to this content for 25 years. There is a lot of nostalgia involved, and 1994 was... An amazing year for movies. I mean, 99 was the best ever, as far as I'm concerned. But maybe I'm wrong, because I haven't seen all 249 movies that were released in this uh, 1994, and that's what we're going to do. John and I are going to watch all 249 movies that were released. Oh, in wait. <laughs> nope. Hold on. I'm going to pitch uh, something here. Uh, as I, We're not going to be looking at all of them. Uh, <laughs> are we? <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> we are not. Okay. All right. Although I did just recently finish my uh, 11 season Cheers rewatch, so I got a whole lot more time in my schedule since Cheers isn't dominating at least 30 minutes a day for me. I mean, if you were a real fan, you'd be moving on to Frasier, but you know. You know, Frasier and Lilith needed time apart, and I need some time apart from Frasier for a little bit. So, you know, That's fair. to be fair. That's fair. Yeah. 
No, we, we've got a plan here. What we're going to do, see what I did, and, and, and here's the other thing, right? Because you're going to have to bear with us with some inconsistencies, but we are sort of reconstructing the year 25 years later, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. So what I did in order to figure out what movies were released in 1994 was I took a look at the rebinder list from the Academy from 1994. And then I went through and I found the release dates of each of those movies. Now, some of those, the release dates are not really that clear, but I've got a pretty good idea of when these movies were released. But if, you know, some movie that we say came out on February 14th actually came out on March 21st, just give us a break, okay? You know what? We're doing the best we can. (laughs) Well, you also need to keep in mind that movies can be released in a limited release and then released in a wide release. So its initial release date, you know, I go back to 1980. Empire Strikes Back came out in 70 millimeter and was out for three weeks before the 35 millimeter audience got it. But what's its release date? It's May 25th. Well, not not for Empire Strikes Back. That's oh, it's May twenty first. Um, May twenty first. Sorry. Yes, it was right around. You know what? Sue me. Okay. There's a lot of May dates going around there. So we're not Wasn't we're not it? even talking about 1980. Let's, let's okay. move on to 1994. Come yeah. on. It's kind of confusing hole, enough sorry. as it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So so what we're going to do is each week we're going to take a look at all of the movies which were released in that week, and each of us. John and I and whoever else might be involved with this will probably have some guests. We'll probably have some people fill in from time to time, whatever. Whoever comes on the show is going to pick one movie from that week, watch it, and then discuss. And some of them will be, be movies that we've seen before. Some of them will be new discoveries. And uh, yeah, we encourage you to watch along with us. And th- that's, that's basically it. Yes. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun tour. It really is because it is. 90, 94, There's a there is a crescendo moment in uh, nineteen ninety four. Oh my god, there is. Yeah, there really like is. Maybe the best day in movie history. Who knows? It's we'll, possible. We'll find out. Yeah. But for this week, the first week, January seventh, and you'll note that these shows are being released on Mondays, which corresponds to the Friday of. 1994. So uh, the release date of our show is the same, is, is exactly 25 years ago when most of these movies were released. And for this first week, there were two movies which were released on January 7th. However, there were a few movies which, as far as I could tell, were released in 1993, but for whatever reason, qualified for Oscars in 1994. I don't know the reasoning. I cannot find 1994 release dates. They were all like limited releases, but I I can't figure it out. So since these movies all supposedly were out already, we're going to include those in the January 7th week. So I guess we'll start with the four movies which um, were released prior to 1994. And those movies are... Dangerous Game, The Hawk, La Vie de Bohème, and Lightning in a Bottle. And the two January 7th movies were The Air Up There and Cabin Boy. Mm. So, John, 
Which movie did you choose to watch this week? I uh, got to a movie that I've been meaning to watch for a very long time because I was a big, big fan of the star. And he uh, had done a number of appearances on David Letterman that turned me into a fan. He had a tremendous TV show called Get a Life that I absolutely loved. But I had been steered clear of Cabin Boy back in 1994 by my friend Joey, who saw it and pronounced a harsh judgment upon it. And uh, I, for years, you know, it's, it's one of those ones. We all have that queue of movies that the queue keeps building. And then, like, you go back in the queue archive and you're like, oh, yeah, that was on the list for 25 years. I'll go ahead and watch that. So I did. I rented Cabin Boy on Amazon and I watched it. And see, that's the thing. And not to interrupt you, but that's one of the things that I love about this, right? When I was putting together this list, there were a lot of movies where I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that one again because it's one of my favorites. Oh, man, it's going to be so great rewatching that one. But there were a lot where I was like, everyone says this movie is great and I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it this time around. And there were a lot where it's like, that person made a movie that came out in 1994? I had <laughs> yeah. never heard of that. That yeah. was directed by that person? What? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't wait. So yeah. that's part of it, is getting to finally catch up with these movies, which we've been meaning to watch for the past 25 years. And the thing is, I was familiar with uh, some of the content uh, because when... David Letterman hosted the Oscars. He actually mocked his appearance in Cabin Boy with uh, these fake audition tapes of famous stars who wanted to play his character in Cabin Boy, including the line, do you want to buy a monkey? Yeah. And um, I remember Michael Keaton was one of those stars, and he had a very zany take on it. I can honestly say that I was stunned because I didn't, I knew about Cabin Boy and I knew Chris Elliott's in it and I didn't read any of the other credits and I jumped in and I saw a Burton DeNovi production and I said, oh, oh, well, that's that's a pleasant surprise. Maybe this will be better than Joey said it was. It, it, it wasn't. Um, I found the, the beginning of the movie to be painfully unfunny. Like it was, it was, it was good. I was doing this as an assignment because and not paying like ten dollars in a theater to see it because i would have walked out and demanded my money back after the first 20 minutes but what's fascinating about it and i think it's like one of those jokes and family guy used to be really good at this where the joke isn't funny like when peter falls and hits his knee and it's not funny at first but then it's funny because it goes on for like 30 seconds and you start chuckling because it's just absurd that it's still happening that sort of happens with Cabin Boy. And it's fascinating because there is a point after he's out at sea and all of these awkward, terrible jokes that don't land have gotten out of its system. It seems almost as if they realized while filming that it wasn't working and they said, you know what? Let's just do whatever. Let's just be insane with everything. And it actually gets looser and slightly more enjoyable because they just go nuts. They like and you can tell that they're they just don't care anymore. And that actually but then you get these uh these figures later 
uh, like these icebergs that come to life. And it looks like a Tim Burton movie. It suddenly looks like Tim Burton animation. You know, the, 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 the like Nightmare Before Christmas type stuff. And, it's, and then there's a, a, a six-armed woman who's married to a giant who's played by the guy who is uh, Frenchie in Goodfellas who comes out to try to kill Chris Elliott and everybody else by tossing their boat around. Like, and it's, it just goes nuts. Absolutely insane. But I would not... This does not get a thumbs up. This gets a, uh, a hearty thumbs down for me, nonetheless. So... See, your your friend Joey is very different from my friend Josh because I also had a friend who would talk about Cabin Boy all the time. And he said that it was a masterpiece. He said that it was one of the best movies ever made. And he would always quote lines from it like Wanna Buy a Monkey and stuff like that and try to convince me to see it even though I had no interest. Just to put it into perspective, um, I, I actually lived with him in the same house for uh, a couple years, and his love for Cabin Boy was so strong that there was a framed original one-sheet of Cabin Boy hanging up in our living room, okay? Wow, that's <laughs> that's it, amazing. It's yes, and you know, he he had always tried to get me to watch it. He would always, and him and his friends, and I, like I, I, we used to, at the time, he he was working at a comic book store, and and I was working at the same comic book store. I mean, I guess this was slightly after Cabin Boy came out, but because of hearing all of this talk between him and his friends, and they were a little bit older than I was, and they were sort of influential on on me and my tastes and everything like that, I kind of have always been under the impression that Cabin Boy is a cult classic, which people it is. absolutely love. It is a cult classic. And I, I, I don't know why. Well, I don't know why either, because eventually I did end up watching it. And I think what convinced me was the fact that Melora Walters is in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's always cool. But this movie, it was painfully bad. It was painfully boring. Yeah. I don't remember much in terms of specifics, although I did watch the trailer uh, just you know a few days ago and sort of in preparation for this, I guess, just to kind of jog my memory. And also because I thought it would be cool just to personally kind of like watch the trailers for all of these movies and see just from a time capsule perspective, like how movies were being sort of promoted back then. Because sure. as I was going through all of these, these movies throughout the year and I would click on the thing from IMDb, I would see like the posters pop up and there were definitely these trends which kept on occurring. Like anytime any movie is at all comedic, there is a really, really goofy staged poster of the actors in some cartoonish pose, and, and it, which makes me not want to see the movie, whatever the yeah. movie is that they're promoting. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so I watched the trailer, and as I was watching the trailer, I was like, oh, I'm starting to remember this. Wow, yeah, this really is really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's the and the interesting thing is 
even though the score is credited to somebody else, I swear it sounds like Danny Elfman did it and mm-hmm. just like used a fake name so that his name wouldn't be associated with it. But Burton was a producer, so he couldn't back out or something like that. Yeah. Because if you listen to the score, imagine uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Hmm. But then remove Pee-wee Herman and make everything that's funny about that movie unfunny, and you have Cabin Boy, pretty much. I I mean, I hate... Pee-wee's big adventure. I don't you don't you didn't no. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't believe no you no, you don't. Nobody hates Pee-wee's big adventure. Come on. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. Come on. No, really? No, I couldn't, couldn't care less. Wow. You would really hate Cabin Boy then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not a big fan of either of these movies. But so, so you watched then, if you didn't watch Cabin Boy, you watched. Well, I watched one of the movies from prior to uh, January 7th. Ah, which one? I watched Dangerous Game. Harvey Keitel, yes? Yes, it is Harvey Keitel. It was directed by Abel Ferrara, who Mm. I feel like he may be like the best director I've never really seen anything by. Like He did Bad Lieutenant, which I think is probably his biggest thing. I never saw that. And I, I guess I've always heard the name, but I never really, I, I never really knew who he was. I yeah. just knew that he made some movies, but I mean, like as the trailer for Dangerous Game suggests, like he's the most controversial director in American cinema, or something like that, you know. And I thought, well, this seems interesting because it's got Harvey Keitel, who's like quintessential 1994, right? And Madonna is in it, and it was directed by Abel Ferrara, and it's about uh, a filmmaker. Harvey Keitel plays a director who is directing a movie, which is very, in a lot of ways, sort of autobiographical, as we find out. And it's this weird thing where, like, the movie is about this couple which is breaking up, and the movie that you're watching is about this couple which is sort of breaking up and it's just this kind of like movie within a movie within a movie at one point they have the Werner Herzog uh, Burden of Dreams movie just there's a clip of it with no explanation or anything they just all of a sudden you see Werner Herzog talking about directing I don't know why why not yeah, why not? It's very strange, but Okay, it's not good. It's not a good movie. Okay. But I find it fascinating for a lot of reasons, one of which is just that it's interesting to see Harvey Keitel playing a director who seems to be directing the way that Harvey Keitel would direct if he were directing a movie. Wow. Okay. Like, like that's the most interesting part about it. Like the movie that they're making 
is really bad. Like you could tell this would be like a terrible movie. And there's this whole thing with like the, the main main actor being like his friend and he's not very good. And I can't tell whether the person who they cast was really good at pretending to be bad or just really bad. I can't tell about that. I don't know, but it's like, you see like these scenes, like these very emotional scenes of like basically a man and a woman fighting with each other in like a house like that's basically every single scene in this movie and you see Kaitel like going up to the two actors and giving them direction in order to like get them to this place and you feel like he actually is doing that and it's fascinating to watch and then you you know step back another layer or another two layers and you think like well that's probably the direction that Abel Ferrara is giving these people who are whatever. And then it gets to the end and there's a scene which is very similar where like Harvey Keitel is fighting with his real life wife. Like, I mean the character's real life wife. Right. Yeah. And you feel like it's the same type of scene playing out as you've seen in this movie within the movie, but with like worse performances. And you're like, wait, is that supposed to be, or what's going on? I don't quite understand the point. I do think that one of the things which I found most fascinating about it was like, since it is really sort of a movie within a movie about like forms of like, you know, domestic of violence and stuff like that, like watching that movie in like now, but it, it being made like, in 1994 when like all of this stuff that you know is now bubbling to the surface from the the me too movement was sort of like in full effect like you could see that and maybe i'm misinterpreting the movie but it's almost like the movie doesn't see this as a problem just like the industry didn't see it as a problem and is sort of treating it in a pretty blase manner and and the fact that it's about like a director who's sort of like enacting this stuff is really interesting. I don't know. That was the most interesting See, the th- part about the movie. The thing is, you've actually sold it to me because now I'm thinking like, is it this meta thing about how the what we see on screen that's monstrous is a reflection of something monstrous that is going on in real life that the direct you know that the writer or director or whatever is conveying as a way of uh, sort of confessing without confessing sort of thing. That sounds like a fascinating concept, but it sounds like it wasn't fascinating execution. Sounds like what the problem was. No, I would say that the execution is fascinating. I would say the thing about it is it's like you get to the end and you're just like, what was the point? Like Mm. you really kind of get to the end and you're like, well, why did I just watch that? Okay. But maybe maybe I was thinking about it too much like a regular movie. I don't know. I mean, it was weird mm. because I would say it's a bad movie, but I, I was riveted the whole time. I've certainly seen worse movies. It's certainly better than Cabin Boy. Yeah, well, you know, but but that's that's something that I think that we're we're losing sight of too with the way that things are released now. And I even have to remind myself of it. I think that both of these movies are you know, from our descriptions of them, a reminder of the fact that January has traditionally been when you offload something 
Oh yeah. That's why uh, like Silence of the Lambs like blew everybody away because it was released in February yeah. and everybody went to see it and they were like, "What? This is good. What? What happened? It's like it's like they tricked you with Silence of the Lambs because it's supposed to suck if it's released in January or February. Same with like uh, Deadpool caught everybody off guard because yeah. it was actually enjoyable and it was in February and. You, everybody sort of understood award season was November and December, and then January and February was the stuff that they didn't know what else to do with. And then they'd start sneaking stuff out in like March and April that they felt couldn't compete in May. And then, you know, of course, the summer movie season strikes up. And what's I, what I think is going to be fascinating about, you know, continuing the journey is as you look ahead, you know, because the sheet that you put together, as you look ahead, right, I think that we're getting even farther away now from this typical sort of release schedule because now it's commonplace for big budget blockbuster every week or two especially once you know april and may show up whereas 94 is still old school this is supposed to be the big hit it will be the only thing released this week there are going to be weeks where there's a movie released in 1994 because Everybody just steered clear. They just got out of Dodge. Yeah. That's, you know, interesting. And I feel like part of that is just sort of the economics, which have changed because of presentation. The fact that, you know, now we have digital projection where you can, you know, throw something onto a hard drive and just show it whenever you want. Whereas back then you had to make a print and you could only Mm -hmm. make so many prints and, you know, all that stuff. And then you needed to circulate those prints instead of, you know, which is why international schedules are completely different from American schedules and all that stuff. It's a it's a crazy sort of thing that 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 has changed, and I, you know I would say probably for the better. But it'll be interesting to see how it's changed. Also, the number of movies. I mean, just looking at the list. I mean, we had over a hundred more movies this year than there were back in 1994. So there's that too. And but, that that's just theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, we're not. I don't think anybody's even sure yet how to really count the whole Netflix and Amazon wave, and that's just going to get more crowded and weirder, you know. Especially as Apple starts producing content, and you know they're going to like Bird Box just came out. I still haven't seen Bird Box as we're as we're recording this. I I intend to, but um, like Bird Box is, you know, that's a major release. So was Christmas Chronicles. And that was direct to Netflix, but that was that was a major holiday release by today's standards. Whereas, when you look back at 1994, no, like it doesn't fly. Like it, that's just not the way it worked. And so I like it's just so, it's so wild because you ponder now, right? Like our choices here were were limited to these. Like it'll be very interesting if we were to do sort of a look ahead you know, a couple of years into the future from now as we're recording this, how crowded is it going to be as we start to count the stuff that's released new on all of the different services and everything? That's going to be fascinating. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, speaking of, uh, well, before we look ahead, I was going to say, speaking of looking ahead, but before we look ahead, I guess we should just uh, take a look at these other movies just very briefly and see... I'm guessing we haven't seen any of them, but just in case. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> there's The Hawk, which starred nope. Helen Mirren uh, back before she was a big thing, really. And uh, it's one of those sort of, 
I think, kind of erotic thriller things. Oh. They were big back then. Yeah, they kind of were, weren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Then there's La Vie de Bohème, which is a... uh, I forget I forget the the name of the filmmaker who made it, but he's apparently a big deal. He's got some movies, I think including this one which are part of the Criterion collection. So, hmm. you know, that's probably the that probably would have been the smart choice for this week, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Then there's Lightning in a Bottle, which this one I'm having trouble wrapping my head around, but it stars Linda Carter and all of the advertising and all of the clips that I've seen online and everything imply that it's kind of a movie of room-like proportions. Now, see, I should have gone with that one because I should have just embraced it because Cabin Boy didn't want to be that, but it wound up being that. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Then moving forward to the January 7th slot, there's the air up there, which I remember when that came out. It stars Kevin Bacon. I believe this is a Disney movie, you know, one of those live-action Disney movies from back in the day where Kevin Bacon plays, I don't know if he's a coach or what, but he's a basketball coach, and, like, he goes to Africa to find, like, a big star and, you know, hijinks ensue, I guess. I don't know. I watched a clip from it on uh, YouTube, you know, like the little free clip that they give you to try to get you to rent it. And yeah. um, I didn't rent it, so uh. <laughs> I'm I'm tempted though, honestly, uh, if I find the time to watch the air up there, just to see. I like to see how the world would have gone differently had, you know, John of days ago chosen that way instead of Cabin Boy, <laughs> and just instead lived with this, you know, this weird sense that it was just. A good comedy that he just overlooked all of this time. So, and see, like that's the thing is like, I, there's a lot of like, okay, we're picking one a week. There's some weeks that I'm like, well, I'm definitely watching two of those movies, no doubt. Yeah. You know, yes. And and there's yes. other. I think it, I think it's going to play out a lot like, you know, movie fans going to see movies today, where it's like, well. Yeah, I can't see uh, two movies this weekend, but I am going to go check out the air out there, the air up there, sooner or later because yeah. I wanna, you know. I, I'm yeah. I'm not going to check it, but I mean, just as an example, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So so uh, do, what's coming up uh, on the next week so that uh, people can get a good gander and prepare? Yeah, yeah. We encourage you to watch uh, these movies as well, or one of them, or whatever. Uh, this week, there, there's actually a Wednesday release, which is House Party 3. And then the Friday releases, January 14th, are Body Snatchers, also oh, directed yeah. by Abel Ferrara. Interesting. And Iron Will. So Iron Will. I've never heard Will. of Iron Will. I think it's another uh, one of those Disney movies. Uh, my One of my core questions is if i have not seen house party or house party 2 would i be lost in the plot line for house party 3 or do you think that this is the type of series where i could just where i could just jump in i don't know there's that that great line in jay and silent bob strike back where they're like this movie makes house party look like house party 2 and then the other guy says and it makes house party 2 look like house party 3 <laughs> 
I feel I feel like if I'm gonna go for House Party three, I'm I would be committed to watching the House Party trilogy. Well, just I mean, to, uh, people say that House Party one is good. So so that's that's next week. I'm I'm looking forward to picking one of these movies and watching them and uh, discussing. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, well, if anybody uh, you know wants to uh, pick our brains about it or sort of pick on us, you can uh, go on over to the nerdparty.com contact uh, slash contact and uh, drop us a line. Uh, let us know. Well, you know, it, did you see one of these in the theater? Do you think that one of us might be really off base? And judging by the fact that Cabin Boy is regarded as a uh, classic, cult classic, um, maybe somebody has issue with with my take on it. I don't know. Uh, maybe a big Madonna fan doesn't like your take on Dangerous Game, right? So uh, you can reach us there. And uh, Mike, where else can people track you down uh, and uh, harass you about your opinions? Well, you can find me on filmdamagepod.com doing a show called Film Damage where we look at movies from the perspective of the booth uh, and film projection and all that good stuff. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Yeah, and you can find me. I'm uh, Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. And uh, you find me here on the network every week co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with uh, Matthew Rushing, where we we look at um, deeper meanings of the saga. We're not your simple uh, Star Wars news show or anything like that. We're we're looking at the philosophical angle of everything. And, uh, of course, you know, out there, Words with Nerds with my pal Craig and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think we'd both love to interact with anybody. We're, we're happy to be back. Uh, Mike, I, I just I do want to take a minute to say that I have... I very much missed being on mic with you because it's always a pleasure. Yes, the, the feeling is mutual. I agree. You know, we don't have any excuses now because there's always something to talk about. <laughs> yep. And we can't take a week off because then it just messes the whole thing up. Yeah, it, exactly right. The whole <laughs> natural order of podcasting will collapse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we look forward to uh, being back here for you. Uh, next week on Retro Perspective. And until then, uh, we'll see you around and look forward to hearing from you and what you thought. Yeah. Be kind. Rewind. Rewind.